You are listening to Become a Guitarist Today podcast with Adam Roach. Hey there, and welcome to episode number 133, where in this episode I have two guests. I have Matt Wakeling from the Guitar Speak podcast and Andrew McKay-Smith from the Scars and Guitars podcast. So all of us being hosts of different podcasts, specialising in guitars, we get to talk about hosting a podcast, uh, different stories about some of our guests, some of our previous guests. Now thank you again to Wolfgang Van Halen and his band Mammoth WVH for the intro music today. So the song is called You're To Blame. So if you haven't got the song already or pre-ordered the album, Make sure you check out the, the show notes. We'll be able to pre-order the album now. So he's actually released another two new songs as well, which you'll be hearing throughout today's podcast. So one of the songs is called Don't Back Down, and the other one is Think It Over. Now, if you would like to know more about today's guests, so you can click on the links to get more information about their shows. Both shows are fantastic, and we, have, we share a lot of the, the same guests, but they do have other things as well which I'm sure everyone will love. Now, thank you to my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks, Shred Guitar Works, Musician, and Ernie Ball. So let's go over to you now with Matt and Andrew. So we have Matt Wakeling from the Guitar Speak podcast. Welcome, Matt. Hello. Andrew McKay-Smith from Scars and Guitars. Thanks very much, mate. Appreciate the invitation. No problem. No, it's great to do. I mean, I mean Matt and I did one back in... 2018. That far out. Yeah, September 2018. I had to go back and have a listen to it to see what we were talking about. So, <laughs> but it's funny. I listened to that podcast, and that was pretty much the my episode to say that I was going to pretty much give it away. Because remember, I was going to yeah, do some yeah. interviews for yourself and like put them on your show or you know things like that. And then I went about a year, I think. And then uh, you put me on to John to fill in for you for the uh, Kenny Wayne Shepherd interview. That's yeah. And, and yeah. from there, I just Got back into it. So thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, that was good. That was a win-win. So I felt so bad taking the interview and then dropping it. Mm. No, you jumped in at a beautiful time. From there, it just happened with John. And How did you get on to John, Matt? I can't remember, to be honest. Oh, really? um, so we're talking about John from um, Nuclear Blast. Nuclear Blast yep. Silverback Touring. Yeah, so uh, honestly, yeah, I can't remember. I think, yeah, I don't know. I remember there was a few tours coming to Australia and I... I think I reached out to some promoters in general. Mm. Um, one of them was to Doizel Zappa, which I don't think was, was Silverback. But yeah, before I knew it, I was on a couple of mailing lists. So that's been awesome. That's been a great way to get international guests on the show, as, as you found it. I think Andrew's got, you know, we've shared some similar guests by the yeah. looks of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely through John. And just before things kicked off, we're talking about Chris. And uh, Devo over there in South Africa. There's a, there's a few people that tend to bring the goods, isn't there? Yeah, some, some good support once you get your your, your foot in. Mm. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And how about yourself, Andrew? How did you get on to John? It was, mine's an interesting story because I was, I was working at Telstra and I knew I couldn't continue to work there. I was an account executive. And I follow Steve Mascord, the rugby league journal, on Twitter and he put out the call for people to write for Hot Metal. Now, we all know Hot Metal magazine. We grew up with it. 
So I went, okay, well, I'll, I'll message him, give him a PM or a DM, or I might have even just responded on the feed. Anyway, one thing led to another, and within a couple of days, uh, I was interviewing Vinnie Apice. So that's how quickly it happened because Steve-O put me in touch with John, and then for the next half dozen or so, he was still getting on, he's on the email list, and he just forwarded, forwarded them through to me because they were like Andreas from Sepultura, uh, Blitz from Overkill and look you're literally going through some of my all-time favorite bands in the first five or six interviews that I did so it was just an incredible thing I was I was nervous so nervous before the Vinnie Apice one because I, I worship de- Dehumanizer that's that was the in-market album when I was getting into heavy metal back in 92 I think it was mm-hmm. and uh, I, I love that TV crimes are still blast all, all the time in the car you know you put the windows down and it's late at night driving back from the city or what have you just get that kick off with with uh, Ronnie James Dio on the vocals. So that's how it happened. And Steve-O and I just had a bit more of a talk about things and I just basically took over all of the heavy stuff because he's not into the he's not into the ultra-brutal heavy stuff like what I am. Mm-hmm. So I just got all of those interviews and that just happens to be the most fertile part of what John Howarth does with Nuclear Blast and some of the other associated labels like Sharp Tone and Arise. And, yeah, bef- before I knew it, here we are, four, four and a half years later, I think it is now. Yeah. And uh, it's it's and because of that, I've been able to change my career. I'm now a, I'm, I'm a full time writer now. I have been a journalist. Uh, I've got a degree, went through Bond Uni, so I've got a journalism degree. And it wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Steve-O and and to, for John. So I'm very I'm very grateful, man. It's actually changed my professional outlook and my professional life. Yeah, I mean, some of the artists like all had on recently, like you know, Michael Schenker. I think we've all had him on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was incredible. So yeah, then, it's speaking to Michael is ethereal is the only way I can describe it because he always seemed to me like one of these golden guitar greats. Mm-hmm. I actually consider him one of the most important guitarists of all time and I've told him as much because I've spoken to plenty of the death and black metal guys whose music sounds nothing like Macaulay Schenker Group or Michael Schenker's music. Yep. But they've told me that he's a significant influence in the same way that Malmsteen is, these sorts of people. I pointed out that, that Kirk Hammett, Dave Mustaine, James Hetfield all, all wore MSG T-shirts back in the day before Metallica were a, a known a household name. So if it wasn't for him, and you listen, listen to Kirk Hammett, and he actually told me that Kirk Hammett's like just hugs him when he sees him and yeah. just tells him how important he is and stuff. So I think if it wasn't for Michael, you wouldn't have, I, say to, I said to Michael, if it wasn't for you, thrash wouldn't sound the way it does. And therefore death and black metal wouldn't have evolved the way it does because that that's what came from thrash. Mm. That's what, as I pointed out to him, that's why you were as important as Blackmore. Hendrix, Van Halen, and and I think at first he was very bashful because I've had a few conversations with him. But by the last one, he was telling me that he was telling people on other interviews that he was conducting or being conducted with him on it. He was telling people that I told him that, and people were agreeing with him. So I was I was like, thank God, because I, I would love to write his biography. I, I put it out there for him. I'd, I'd love to do that. You know, how do you find it, Matt? Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, he's he's a character. I um I think. I was the same night as you, I know, because we were messaging each other. Yeah, that's right. Adam, and uh, it might have been for Andrew as well. I'm not sure, but um, it was really late at night. And I've got two techniques for late recordings. Either I go to the car park in my local Woolies, which I did with Zach Wilde and Michael Sweet in the middle of the night because of the time difference. Yeah. Um, or I do it in my laundry. So this one was in my laundry. So I was trying to be kind of quiet when I wake my family. So... He would he would launch like a ten minute answer though to a simple question, so it actually it worked out really well. But um, yeah, it was pretty cool. Again, like I just said, he's so influential. It was cool just to talk about some of that some of that stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask you, actually, both of you guys about that because, you know, I've got the two little kids here as well and sometimes that time difference, it is tricky getting those late night interviews. Well, I do the same thing. I go to my car in the garage and hook it up through there and do it that way. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've had to do a lot of that, actually. I've had to do interviews in truck stops near Bundaberg, by the beach, um, outside with the laptop with a Netgear wireless router giving me internet connectivity uh, with the with the Mac, which I use on the bonnet of the car. Because, yeah, I've got two young kids and there's mini interviews when I'm listening back, especially with headphones on, and you can hear the yelling going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's all, amb- all, all, this, all this yelling ambience. And yeah. uh, people who don't have kids, they don't understand this stuff. You, you just, you've just got to ride through it. There's nothing else you can do because yeah. oftentimes... I've got to basically finish what I'm doing here and then jump out there just to quell the, the, the savage storm that is occurring just beyond these doors here. Yeah, yeah i got exactly the same. I've heard editing my ones, you hear all those screams in the back. And, yeah, it's yeah, age in life. People have to understand that. Yeah, you know, we're, right. we're putting the content out there for people. We're, we're doing our best, and uh, but we have we lead a fairly rational life too, which means that we've got kids and mortgages and all of that sort of stuff and you're going to hear some of that stuff going on in the background. Yeah. So when did you start yours, Andrew, your podcasting? 2017. So oh, okay. I've been interviewing and turning them into yards for Hot Metal and Metal Obsession 2 down in Melbourne, Anwar's uh, blog, which is very good. Mm. And I thought, I love Jamie Jaster from Hatebreed and Joe Rogan in particular, those mm. two guys, especially back then. Yep. Also Chris Jericho too, his podcast is very good, when, especially when he gets on a musician. But I thought I want to do this, so I thought I secured an interview with David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and I thought I'll I'll let that be my premiere episode, and I'll just see what happens after that if people like it. And straight away got a few, not not a hundred, but just underneath a hundred people listening to that one there, and that was a good episode to lead with. It was fairly emblematic of who I was targeting in terms of the sort of guests that I wanted on, and uh, it's just sort of gone on from from there, and I haven't had a reason to stop because I enjoy it too much. <laughs> yeah, too. And I know, Matt, we did talk about it on that last podcast we did back in 2018, but I think what well, you started at the same time, was it, 2017? Uh, it was April 2016. Oh, so. sorry. Bad, bad researching. Sorry about that. No, 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 no. <laughs> near enough. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be five years next month. Well, yeah. Yeah, because I started mine, yeah, 2017 as well. And like I said, yeah, Nelly had that time where it was just, I just had a lot on and trying to get all those interviews. And yeah, at that time when I first started, you know, it's just word of mouth, trying to get different people, and it was really hard, a lot of work. But thankfully, yeah. you know, through John and Chris, and it makes it a lot easier just getting those emails. Like, yep, yeah, it is a lot of work. It's it's a lot of work. I think it's one of those things that fulfills the soul, though, especially because we're 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 all musicians and talking to fellow musicians. And do you guys? Let me ask you guys a question. Do you find that when an interview subject, not all, but when many of the interview subjects you share with them that you're a musician, you just feel the energy levels like. Like it's a lot calmer then because yep. they don't feel like as though they have to over-explain things. Hundred percent for sure. You about yourself, man. Yeah, I find that I find that big time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think um, I guess with all of our shows, like, that's why it's a, it's a very guitar focus anyway. So I think usually they know they're in for that. But sometimes you get again if it's an international guest who's got a, a whole night of interviews, they could be talking to all sorts of press, and I I think they enjoy getting to the guitar one. Uh, in their list of interviews, so mm. you start talking tones or composition in detail. Yeah, you can you can sense that they're they're digging it. I've had guys say, and it's it's a surprise sometimes, but I've had guys say, "Oh wow, thank you for listening to the record," or 
Wow, you, you know my you know my back catalogue. Um, mm. Yeah, I had one guy say, "Thank you." Most most people wing it, but I'd actually, you know, I, I know you guys do it too. You listen to the record, you'll talk in depth about whatever. There'll be a particular song or a tone or or something, and um, yeah, I, I find that a little surprising, but it's 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 cool too. To you know, to that musicians are all the same. If, if someone's spent the time to really listen to their work and yeah. and want to discuss it, they're usually yeah really receptive. But a lot of the albums have been really, really good. Even some of the bands I hadn't really heard much of before, like, um, for example, Majestica, their albums are fantastic. Uh, Primal Fear, I really dug those albums. Yeah, killer bands. All of those bands are great. I I do notice that I actually did that in my... I actually said in my introduction to the Lars Nedland episode that I just love talking to the Scandinavians and those bands you mentioned. Primal Fear is from Germany, but uh, Mm. Majestica, I think, from Sweden or Norway. Yeah. And uh, I just find that they're just such great interview subjects too. Great music, fantastic interview subjects. I've said it many times. They remind me of Australians. Yep. I mean, the guys from um, Mark Jensen from Epica, that was a great album too. And yep. just the um, behind the scenes of that album, it's incredible. Yeah, Mark's a fantastic guy. Um, although he might not want to talk to me again because uh, our uh, conversation made blabbermouth. And, uh, oh, really? I asked him if he was happy with, yeah, and... <laughs> I, look, I'm not bothered by it. God, I said far worse than what Mark said because I've met David Mustaine before and, yeah, he's he's a bit of a dick, let's face it. But <laughs> I understand he's got his reasons for being a bit of a dick, but uh, Mark has very different stories and they're very compelling stories uh, about his meeting with Dave. Well, not that he met with Dave Mustaine, but passing him in a stairwell and all of the members of the band were cool and said g'day back to him, but not Dave Mustaine. And yeah. Dave tried to... Um, wing his way through a cafeteria backstage at like a Donington style event, one of those mini festivals that are there in in, in Europe. Uh, and the woman who was serving the food in the cafeteria said, you need to have a ticket. And Dave, Mark was standing adjacent to Dave when Dave said, look, I'm Dave Mustaine, the face of Megadeth, <laughs> as Mark recounted it. And uh, Poor, poor old Mark, I, I, the, the episode made blabbermouth because he didn't tell me to take it out because I always ask at the end. Well, yeah. If we've said in things that can potentially be picked up by clickbait media, yeah. I always ask, do you want me to remove anything? Sometimes people say, yeah. Mm. Normally people go, meh, nah. He asked me to remove some of the political stuff we talked about afterwards, which I'll do, no problem. Yeah. But he didn't say anything about the Dave Mustaine stuff. So that went out there, yeah, and, and caused a bit of a ruckus on blabbermouth. But <laughs> my feelings on it are that, there's probably some kids out there and some people who don't know who Epica are, but now know who Epica are and have investigated the music. So hopefully they've picked up a few fans yeah. <laughs> from that interaction. That's right. Yeah, I've only had one on Blabbermouth. That was um, Bart Walsh when he passed away. So I had him on like two weeks before he passed. And I guess another one we've all had on as well is uh, Phil Campbell. I thought he was really good to talk to as well. Yeah, brilliant. Mm. Yeah, I think I've spoken to him three or four times now. And what I like about Phil, I love it when they remember you. Mm. I think it shows some sincerity and and because there's a few few that I've interviewed a few times and uh, you call through and they're none the wiser that they've shared all sorts of stuff with you, not even sometimes six months earlier. But not Phil. He remembers. You know why he remembers me? Because I talked about, and this will be, you guys are musicians, so you get it. I talked about his Galleon Kruger rig from the uh, 90s, I think it was, the guitar rig that he had. I've, um, I've I've asked him to do a video on that and a few other things and he said, well, when we come down, 
employee, make sure you're wearing a Galleon Kruger T-shirt, which I haven't got one, so I might have to get one and wear it to his uh, The Bastard Sons gig. So as he knows who I am, we can get backstage and have a bit of a – oh, he doesn't drink anymore. Yeah. That was discussed, was one of the points that was made through through a podcast that I conducted an episode – sorry, a conversation I conducted with him. Mm. But maybe we can share a lemonade or a soda water. Yeah. <laughs> and now, Andrew, you had a, one of my idols on as well, Eldon Miola. Yes. So he's yes. – like growing up, my main people were like, yeah, you know, Van Halen, Alviola, John Williams, and then Malmsteen, you know, all those guys. And then when I heard you had Alviola on, I was like, oh, how do I get that? <laughs> it was surreal, actually. Mm. I've got to say, it was it would be, Mark King is another one of my gods, the mm. bass player and, and vocalist, the iconoclast mm. in level forty two. But Al's not too far away from him. I, do you remember those music books, the theory books we used to have to read in the eighties and nineties? Yeah. All of those books had a, a configuration of Al Dimiola, Ginger Baker, and a few other people. They were just in every one of them. And so that's how I got to know his material. And, and I, I ended up liking a lot of jazz fusion as well. I loved his work, by the way, with Paco de Lucia. Yeah. One of my all-time favourites is the guitar trio. Mm. And uh, to talk to him about that, and he, he gave me a, a story that wasn't out there about his time with Paco, about getting him some weed in Electric Ladyland studios. And so that that went, that, they're the sort of stories you want out there and the, yeah. the clickbait media can pick up on because they give some insight into the greatest musical minds of our generation. And, uh, yeah, Al was, uh, I've got to say, there's been there's only been two or three times where I've been intimidated before a conversation. That was one of them. Yeah, that would have been amazing. You know, I, didn't, I just didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want to get yelled at either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, once Wolf, Van Allen's album comes out, you know, Mammoth. Oh, yeah. He gets onto the press and does a few interviews. That, uh, I'd love to do that. That's my main my main mission at the moment. Yeah, I wonder if he'll do press. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have been doing it as long as I have been, but do you think it's usually a sign by now we would have – you guys might have, so I'll ask the question, have, have you received the Mammoth WVH promo from, from anybody yet? No. No. It's usually a sign when you receive a promo early on because the album's going to be released in June, I think, isn't yeah, it? Right, so yeah, that's right. It's a few months away. Yeah that there'll be an opportunity. So it'll either come like a bolt from the blue or it won't happen at all. Mm. So I, I haven't been invited to listen to the album or anything like that yet. And I, I haven't, to be honest, I've only heard the one that was on one of those American late night shows and, and on your show uh, yep. to Adam. I, I heard that's basically like the extent of what I've heard. But like you guys love Van Halen's music. Yes. Just can't get enough sometimes. So I have whole nights where I'll just put on Van Halen mixed via YouTube and occasionally I'll, I, it might be Saturday night when I'm fra- I open a few beers and the kids are playing Nintendo or something and I've got Van Halen uh, going on in the background because I, I, I love the Dave stuff but I yeah. actually much prefer the Sammy stuff to be honest with you because okay. that was what was current when I got into them yeah, yeah. in the early 90s. Yeah, I actually went last week and saw a, um, oh, two weeks ago, sorry, saw a Van Halen tribute band down here in, in Melbourne. That was, it was really cool. I saw that. I saw the pictures on the socials. Yeah. yeah. I've had a chat to uh, Jack Jones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Who was in. Yeah, his, God, that guy's probably one of our best musicians ever, I think. Before Southern Suns, he was doing that, that Ben Halen show with um, Virgil, wasn't he? That's right. Yeah, Hans Valen. Yeah, nice. I used to go every Thursday to go watch him. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to chat to Dave Leslie about their time with the band in the States because remember the. Was it the live right now? I can't remember the name of the live album that was released in the early 90s, but apparently it's, it's certainly live, but it was recorded not in front of an audience, but in front of baby animals. There was yeah. a few other people around, and that, that's how they did it. They recorded it without an audience there and just piped in the, 
and maybe the visuals afterwards. But yeah, Dave Leslie and uh, and Co were able to get a front, literally a personal show in that era, which is my all time favourite era of them. There's as, as I'm saying, I, I've seen Baby Animals a couple of times and uh, just sort of I don't know how I can describe wave to Dave Leslie because they've been at corporate functions, <laughs> and I thought maybe I can have a chat to you. And I bumped into Susie afterwards and just sort of had a quick, very quick interaction, but never long enough to sort of dive deep into that aspect of their career, where they were handpicked by Eddie himself, I understand, to a company that had been on their American tour for F-U-C-K. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because both Matt and I both had Dave on, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great stories about that. I've to listen to your episodes in once. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think we talk about the, the Van Halen days. Great guitarist. He's probably, I go out on a limb sometimes and I make these grandiose statements, but I think he's probably our best rock guitarist in terms of it's been in the limelight for a period of time. I just love his technique. Having watched it and watching the videos and just the way he, he got over the epic fail of his uh, gear failure on Saturday Night Live, I think it was, where the distortion pedal didn't work or the uh, compression pedal didn't work and he still had to do the solo and, and get through it. That That takes some real stamina and some courage, I think, to do that rather than fall into jelly but no he handled it like a pro you barely even notice it when you watch the watch the video you think it's just the way that he intends to make it sound oh well i didn't know that yeah yeah there's a good story about that so there's a few things out there about dave that i'd, I'd love to have a chat to him and because i think as musicians we've all had catastrophic failures on stage you know me as a bassist with batteries that don't last half a song yeah. even though they're brand new in an active bass and amps that just go poof off they go, and unintentional fireworks displays in rehearsal rooms, courtesy of the Sun 1200S, and made by Fender when they weren't producing the best quality stuff. But yeah, yeah man, t- talking to these seasoned pros, Australian seasoned pros about all the stuff that they've dealt with—that's uh, that's right up there for me. You know, talking to Bob Daisley about an Ampeg amp that kept on breaking down on him throughout Europe, and how you get around that stuff—do you just plug into the desk, or what do you do? Because the show's got to go on. So actually talking about the pandemic, so how did you guys go with the whole, how did you find it? Yeah, I mean, podcasting was, was a good time to get guests who were not touring or uh, on the road, that sort of thing. So, mm. uh, you know, I had a few seasons where I could collect a lot of interviews. That was that was, that was cool, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, like all of us, the, the gigs all dried up. My day job was teaching music, so my day job was okay. Um, I really felt for a lot of my musician friends who are, you know, doing it tough. There's a, there's a ray of sunshine in Australia, at least, at the moment. Um, yes. I've just played my fifth gig for the year, so I'm just slowly getting into it. April's really busy for gigs, so, yeah, get through and, and uh, hopefully better times ahead. Yeah, it's definitely looking up, so that's good. How about yourself, Andrew? Yeah, I haven't gigged since January last year. It's it's the longest I haven't gigged since I first started gigging. God knows how long ago that was yeah. now. And uh, I had to do my last semester at uni completely over uh, over zoom or uh, blackboard as it's called similar to zoom i wouldn't say it put extra pressure on you but you just got to, you just got to, i mean you guys went through a far worse than what we did up here mm. with your with your massive lockdown that you had I, I, I mean that's yeah yeah that was terrible you know it's it's unconscionable in some ways because people suffered through that you know the the cure can never be worse than the disease no and that's that's, right. that was 
definitely worse. You can't lock people up for that long and then have police knocking on people's doors and arresting people for Facebook posts, which is what was going on in Melbourne. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'll be happy to play a gig again, mate, but the problem is the, the venues are sort of, uh, they've recalibrated and uh, I'm a career bassist. I do play guitar too, but I just don't enjoy it. I have to work, think too much, and it's just not as natural as bass. Yep. But my, my band, Velvet Kiss, they're just doing trio work, so electronic drums, singer, acoustic guitar. And that's happening a lot in Queensland at the moment. And we're a rock town. Brisbane and the Gold Coast is all about rock and roll. So I, I don't know how audiences are going to take it, but I, I have no idea when I'm going to be able to gig again or what have you, but I hope it's sometime in the near future. Yeah, I've actually got one uh, tomorrow night, the place called Musicland here in Melbourne. Really good club, actually. Nice. Yeah. Um, now, talk about the uh, videos. So have you guys ever thought about doing video podcasts? Oh, for about five seconds and then realised <laughs> I, I can do them with Premiere Pro. But yeah. for I have done a couple. I've done interviews uh, where I've got obviously I've done interviews uh, over Zoom, but I've just put an intro and an outro and put the Zoom content on there where it flips mm. to whoever's speaking. And uh, you, you get a few hundred views, but it's it's not something that I'd ever pursue with Gusto, I've got to say, and, and which is counterintuitive because I realise video is actually the content that gets most engagement on mm. socials. But... To be honest, I just don't like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that simple, and I prefer just to let people hear my hear my voice because it's simple. I can do it. Basically, do the interview, and within fifteen minutes, have it posted. Yeah, yeah, that's love it. that. I love that simplicity. Yourself, Matt? Yeah, similar to Andrew. Yeah, I think just for the work, it mm. is to get it on on video. Um, and a lot of my stuff's over the phone when I've got the choice, and I offer this audio only. A lot of guests prefer that as well, so that's cool with me. So yeah, it's just easy to deal with. Who's your uh, the person you want to interview the most out there that you're yet to get to? For me, I'd say Wolf. You know, it was always Eddie, I think, to go for. But <laughs> but now, yeah, I'd say definitely Wolf. Yeah, that's a good question. You know what? I don't, I don't even know. I've had friends have Satriani and Steve Vai talk to them. I think like players like that who I love, they've just done so much prep. I don't know what I'll ask Joe Satriani, but he hasn't been asked a million times. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't got the unicorn interview. Maybe I should, but not yet. Yeah, I've, I've, I've got Trey from Morbid Angel because I think he's a genius. I think he's, he's the game changer for heavy metal. And uh, I, I, I am such an admirer of Morbid Angel and of Trey's playing. I've even interviewed his mother. She agreed to be on the show. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah. Yeah, I just went there. I asked her. She's a lovely lady. She connected with me on Facebook because I used to have a show on 4ZZZ here, community radio, a bit like Free Triple R in Melbourne. And uh, I did a did a career retrospective, a two or three hour show, just diving into the bits of his career that I think are essential and would love to share with people. And she got in touch with me. And I, look, I, to be honest, I'd just taken a photo off the interweb and used it as the promo. She asked me if she could have the photo. And I said, sure. I just sent her a just. I don't, I, can't, I don't think I've been put it through Photoshop. I think I just sent it back to her, minus all of the graphic, the uh, the writing that I put on it for the purposes of the show. And she was very appreciative, man. It was a lovely lady. Hmm. And then, then she shared with me through the chat that he was married to a lady from Melbourne. Oh, it used right. to be. They're, they're not going together. But okay. it's a big Australian connection with Morbid Angel, yeah. Yeah. I mean, another one that I doubt would happen is uh, Eric Clapton. Old slow hand. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely on the list too, but I'm, I'm with you, man. I just don't see that he's got a reason to want to yeah. do these interviews. He's well, he just drives his Bentley everywhere, I suppose, at this point and yeah. rakes in his millions from his uh, from his publishing royalties. And I, I think he's got probably the greatest tone of all time. Mm. As I say, I like making grandiose statements, but I just love his tone. Yeah. 
which which era? Uh, cream, the early stuff, I'd say. Just just the the back because it's like so honest, you know that it's just it's him turning it up, and it's all uh, he's right handed, so it's all what his picking finger, just the the the, the attack yeah. on the string, and 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 to compete with uh, the other two in the band, uh, Ginger Baker. And uh, sorry, there's a bass player, the Scottish bass player. I can't remember his name now. Of course, Jack the two. Bruce. Jack Bruce, of course. Mm. To compete with those two guys, you had to be at the top of your game. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's probably the, that's probably my favourite power trio of all time. I've got to say. Mm. Yeah. Sure. In terms of three three musicians all having at it, yeah, that's that's a pretty great pretty great interaction. I mean, Hendrix is my favourite guitar player of all time, and there's some great trio stuff. In these different bands, but I think Cream, in terms of just everyone throwing down non-stop, that's yeah, that's good art. Thanks very much for this. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. No, no worries. Yeah, fun, fun to share the stories. I've made some good friends through it too. It's nice yeah. to meet Andrew and it's cool that we've had a, a friendship for a couple of years now, Adam. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. For you, Adam, to invite us on, man, I appreciate that, man. It shows that we're all in it together and we have shared and common interests and yeah. I'm two and a half thousand, three, three thousand days away from you. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all here just bringing the rock and the metal to the people. Yeah. Well, thanks again, guys. No, hopefully we'll do it, do it again. You, yeah, yeah. Right. Thanks, Adam. See Thanks, man. Cheers. All right. See you later. Yep. Bye-bye. Catch ya. Bye.